I would say a real magic moment was in 2017. Emma Watson wrote about us on in, on Into the Gloss. Um, we were a part of her routine. We knew she was a customer. We knew she bought the products, but she spoke about us, and that was a real. We actually sold out of a year's worth of product in three weeks after she talked about us. Um, and so that was just a real. Again, it was it was completely organic. So we just came in one day in March, and you know I was pregnant. <laughs> like I sat down at my seat, and and we're like, why is our ecom site going crazy? Like what could have possibly happened? And it was this article. Let's talk fur. Not the mink coat kind of fur. It's high time that pubic hair gets the attention it deserves. Yes, I said it. CEO Laura Schubert co-founded Fur as a force for good in the world, from creating effective, clean products and challenging outdated societal views that breed unnecessary shame and stigma around our bodies. The company offers products that hydrate skin, soften hair, eradicate ingrowns from head to toe. It's facial grade, vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic ingredients that are dermatologically and gynecologically tested. And the products are now in big retailers like Ulta Beauty, Nordstrom's, and Macy's. Coming up, you'll hear why hustle was the most important ingredient for Laura in building fur why Laura had to find cosmetic chemists by Googling them, what the biggest challenge in year one had to do with finding rhythm, the battles with digital censorship, the journey from serious HR and management consultant to pubic hair expert, the importance of discipline and strategy in launching new products, the marriage-like partnership of working with your best friend and the art of disagreeing productively. The moment that packing boxes on the floor while being pregnant made Laura and her co-founder make a big change in their business. How moms might just make better delegators and managers. And why someone always has to cry. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me this morning. You launched your first product, Fur Oil, in 2016. How did you come up with this idea? So we I actually started working on Fur Oil in 2014, and I was talking to my sister, and we were discussing body hair. And, and to be honest, we hadn't really before. And we were discussing sort of pubic hair, body hair. What are you doing? Are you removing it? Are you keeping it? And then, you know, no matter what, what are you doing to care for your hair and skin how are you dealing with ingrown hairs? And especially at that time, again, this is 2014, we just felt like there was nothing on the market that was in upscale packaging, you know, things that you didn't immediately hide under your sink when people came over. Right. They uh, The products that existed had, you know, bad ingredients. 
uh, that we didn't even want to use on our skin because people were sort of just starting to read labels. Uh, and, and again, there was no one creating options for women and men to take care of their hair and skin how they wanted to and to have this conversation. Um, and so my background, I had been a management consultant. I had sort of had a lot of business experience, but I knew I want to start my own business. And I just really felt like creating this category would be an incredibly exciting challenge. And, and it was a product I wanted. Uh, and so I immediately started, started calling chemists and started developing it. And I know you have a co-founder. How did you meet your co-founder? Uh, my co-founder, Lillian, uh, is actually my best friend from seventh grade. We met in orientation Aww. before school. Uh, and so we went to middle school, high school, undergrad, and then got our MBAs together, which we did not plan. It's just we always ended up in the same orbit, uh, which has been, you know, really um, – I'm really grateful for that. It's really, it's really sort of a special relationship we have. Uh, and then, of course, after our MBAs, she went back into marketing at L'Oreal – I went into management consulting. But of course, when I want to strike out and start my own business, where is my idea? It's in beauty. And so I immediately called my best friend, Lily, and I said, I'm working on this idea. What do you think? And actually, she hated it when I told her the idea because she had been at L'Oreal. And so I think, you know, working on cosmetics, working on especially mascara, you know, she she really felt like there was nothing new under the sun. And so at my holiday party in 2014, I pressed an early sample. It was in this unmarked blue bottle into her hand. And I said, I know, you know, you're not super excited about this, but, you know, just take it home. Just try it. Just sit with the formula. Tell me what you think. And she called me back about a week later and said, you know, I'm in. I'm, I'm leaving L'Oreal. Let's do this. So, you know, so we've, we've always been together, you know. <laughs> so at what point did you quit your jobs? I left my job in 2014, actually. So I was already working on this full time, getting the formulation together, um, and just developing the initial idea because we it was really from an idea. So it, it did take a minute. And then she left her job at L'Oreal in early 2015. And so we spent that year really working on developing the brand. And, you know, again, we created a category. So there were just a lot of really important decisions to make. And honestly, just so we would be taken seriously, because I, I mean, I think the world has come around a long way now in 2020 to feminism, to more taboo topics. But 2015 was really pretty early. And so we knew that if we didn't have elegant upscale packaging and branding and a really thoughtful message, that we could be a joke. And that was a key consideration at launch because we, we've always taken this very seriously. Did you divide up responsibilities uh, in the early days or did you do a lot together? I'd say we've always had our sort of spheres of influence, but all major decisions are by consensus because we're pretty different people. So, for instance, you know, she, her background is L'Oreal marketing. She tends to oversee our digital marketing efforts. My background is consulting. I tend to oversee more, you know, ops, finance, legal, sort of the, the business elements. Uh, that being said, when we make a major decision in product, really in anything, we know that if we agree, it's the right decision. So we, we actually do very little without consensus. Great, great. And uh, I know I hear a lot of people who are thinking about starting a business. It takes them a long time to actually launch because they just want it to be perfect. Uh, so you launched in 2016. Is that when you felt like, okay, we're ready, we're ready to do this? And I guess what were the roadblocks leading up to that initial launch? 
Uh, well, well, many roadblocks, and that's an interesting an interesting comment because, well, first of all, by nature, I'm a total perfectionist, so <laughs> I have to fight that every day. But on the other hand, I, fe- I it's gotten a little better, but I feel like a lot of the start your own business advice is like MVP, just get out there. And that I don't think that's completely true in CPG, especially in, you know, consumer packaged goods, especially beauty, because, you know, again, we created a category, you know, we you need people to trust you, you need people to understand exactly what it is that you're trying to say and what you're trying to put out there. So I think beauty is very different from, say, tech, where maybe you can just, you know, put something together and iterate on it a lot. I I don't think that's totally the case in beauty. That being said, it's really important to try things, especially in the beginning when your audience isn't that big in, in terms of marketing tests. So, How did you launch the product? How did you get the word out about the brand? Uh, a- any way we could. We actually, one of our very early investments was in PR, uh, which I think was really re- a really important investment. Um, also, again, the, getting back to this whole issue of trust and creating a category and not being a joke, we knew that the way we were introduced to media would be really important and, and you know, to be in the right publications, to talk to the right editors ab- about the product, you know, who, again, to treat it respectfully. Um, so that was one of our early, really PR and inventory were, were our earliest investments. Who were the first media outlets to talk about you? I you think our first, our very first article was in, um, was in, fa- was, is Fashionista, I think. And what did that feel like? I mean, amazing. But it's also, I mean, it's also important to note that this is a taboo category. And although now all major media outlets you can think of have written about us, which is amazing, and I'm so grateful for, there were definitely very famous publications who in the early days said, you know, pubes are gross, I will never write about them. And so that's why my business mantra has become every no is a not yet. Because you just you gotta you have to give people the emotional and mental space to come around to what you're talking about and, and and to create a safe space for people to change their opinion. So you keep talking about how this is a taboo topic. What was the feedback initially where people like, yes, I've been waiting for this or, ooh, I'm not yet ready to be talking about this and, and um, sharing this with my friends? It's always been polarizing and – Again, that's also what brought Lillian into the business is that at least at least it wasn't, you know, people never feel ambivalent about what we're doing. You know, pubic hair oil, pubic hair care, they they really do have an opinion. Maybe they think it's really disgusting. Maybe they've been waiting for it all their lives, but they they really have an opinion. And so um, I, we find that really exciting. And this the first product for oil, is that meant to just go in your pubic area or meant for all over? How do you use this product? Well, all our products are safe and effective and tested for the pubic area, but great to use and effective anywhere hair meets skin. So fur oil is actually, I love it as a scalp treatment. I love it as a cuticle oil. But of course, it's derm and gyno tested and meant for your pubic hair to make it softer and prevent ingrowns. And is it meant for everyday use? Absolutely. And initially, because your background wasn't beauty like Lillian, so how did you find chemists and how did you figure out how to get this product developed? Hustle. (laughs) 
right? The most important thing yes, in entrepreneurship. Yes, yes. Just figure it out. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I literally Googled, you know, cosmetic chemists and, you know, fa- created a list of like, I think, 50-ish and started calling them. And, you know, when they – and so some of them did hang up on me. But I knew that I had something because some of those people would actually call me right back and say, you know what? That was shocking. But this isn't so crazy and I'm interested in learning more. So I did find people who were interested in talking to me. And, you know, people are nice. Like the the uh, the way I found the person I ended up working with was I called a much bigger cosmetic chemist, you know, because I would call up and I'd say, you know, we, we're two girls with a dream, you know, the minimum order quantity is really small. Can you help us? And they'd say, you know, now, like, we really, we really can't. And I'd say, well, do you know someone who can? Do you know someone who might be interested in this project? And so that's a really valuable question that, again, even if people can't help you for whatever reason, a lot of the time, they, you know, the industry is small. So, I mean, taking that approach, I think, to, to everything and just being very humble, you know, when people hang up on you to pick, you can pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry, the connection must have been lost. You know, as <laughs> I was again. saying, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, very polite always, but persistent. And how much money does someone need to launch their first product? The, well, again, that's all down to the MOQs or minimum order quantities. So, so not that much. I did put all of my life savings from my you know nice career in consulting into the business. Um, but the the good news is that it's it's you. I think you can do it as long as you again your initial run must be very small. And did you raise any money or have to raise any money? We have not raised any money to date from outside sources. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, what would you say was the biggest challenge in year one? I, yeah, I think, again, just getting in the rhythm and you're you're starting all of these processes. So even things like, you know, starting our social media account and, you know, making our website and iterating you know, now now we have other people too so also in the beginning you're doing things that you you know honestly you're not that good at you know and i think that's very valuable but it's it, it yeah there's no there's no rhythm and and i guess even more so you know i came from management consulting i had worked in finance and when and i worked with big businesses and when you work for a big business you know, you get emails like, for, well, first of all, people will take your phone calls. You know, if you call up and say, I'm from this company, they'll take your phone calls. But second of all, they there's sort of there's a there's inertia, like the ball is moving. So people email you back that first year leaving a big company, you know, I would email people and I would get crickets and I'd have to email them, you know, again and again and again and again, very polite, but persistent because you have no momentum to your business and to what you're trying to do. And so that I think is actually and in fact, if you're not pushing that boulder up the hill, it's sliding back. And so I think that was a challenge, definitely a big challenge in the early days. And how did you come up with the name for the business? You know, it was on lists. I mean, the short answer is lists of names. And, you know, naming is is very important, though. I took that very seriously. Um, And fur was on a very early list. But then we sort of, I don't know, it didn't, we, we came back to it. But yes, I'm, I continue to be very, very happy with that choice. So. Yeah, no, I definitely love, love the name. And what are the core values of the company? Well, we're a mission-based brand, and we're here to eradicate the shame and stigma around pubic hair. So we that's a very clear mission that we have and that, you know, fuels everything we do. Uh, and so the way that and so and to create options for men and women to take care of their hair and skin and just not feel shame about their, you know, body hair expressions. And what are you doing to start those conversations? 
well, we we show hair to the extent we can because actually there, you know, it's it is hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we do. We we've dealt with a lot of censorship issues in digital marketing. We've now learned how to work with them, but there there are definitely limits to what you can show. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so I think we show a lot. We show body hair. We talk about it on our blog. We talk about it in our messaging. And again, just saying, you know, you can do different things. It's not just, again, when in 2014, when I would Google pubic hair, it would just autofill removal. And so just trying to move the conversation to a place that people can decide what they like to do is is really what we're about. And uh, how big is your team now? 12 people. Who is the first person that you hired? We hired our the first well, role that you had yes. To hire well, for. our our intern because we we had yes, an intern. Yes, we had we launched with six interns too. <laughs> yeah. Well, she well we had, she was an intern for two years and then she said, you know, guys, I'm graduating, so yeah. I you know what's what's going to happen? And so she became our intern number our employee number one, and I guess her title right now is uh is branding manager of branding. So, and who was your second employee? Um, our second employee. So then we sort of hired a bunch of people all together. I think ops was next. So so, so again, sort of social media and communications, and then ops. Were you important. managing people um, or your co-founder before you started a business? Uh, I definitely had management experience um, at my last role, but it's it's really it's really different too because in consulting. Everyone comes up the same way you do. Now, every person in my company is a different department. And so they, you know, they have different strengths. They have different ways of approaching problems, which is great, but they're, they're not trained like you are. And so it's, it's just a different kind of management. And uh, when you're interviewing, what are the interview questions that you typically ask? I would say, I mean, just, I would say standard questions are the ones we ask. However, a lot of it does come down to gut, I feel. And just, you know, do you feel like, you know, you're really excited about this person and sort of chemistry? So I I definitely I definitely rely on my gut a lot in interviews. And do you and your co-founder always interview every single person? Oh yes. Yes. Together, separately? Well, separately first, because we usually start with a phone screen. Yeah. You know, and and then and then phone screen, take them in, and then in person is always with the two of us. Um, and then if they'll be reporting to someone else, they'll interview with that person too. After the launch of your first product, when did you decide, okay, it's time for us to launch our second product? And what was that product? Well, we launched actually Fur Oil and Stubble Cream together okay. uh, just with the idea that, again, we wanted to be open to all body hair expressions. And so something that would have been honestly easier when we launched this business would have been to say, you know, pubes are great. You know, if you remove your hair, that's not, you know, you can't do that. And I even have trouble saying it, you know, removing your hair is awful. Like we're bringing the bush back. And we've never had that attitude. We've always been, we've always been for, again, freedom of body hair expressions. What do you like to do? And a lot of, you know, a lot of people like to remove some or all of their pubic hair. So we felt it was very important to launch with stubble cream, which is more of a clean shaven product because it's a lotion formulation um, and the fur oil at the same time. So uh, you now have a whole line of products in a very taboo space. Thinking back to when you were younger, could you have imagined doing what you're doing now? I definitely couldn't have imagined doing what I'm doing now. I, I think even five years before launch, I this is not what I would have 
well, I think I would have said I would be in my, five years before that I would have my own business. I definitely would not have said I'm going to create the category of pubic hair care. That I, I could not have told you. Uh, I do think when I look back, though, maybe there were markers. Like even as a small child, I really liked puzzles. I always liked problem solving a lot. And and I think that's actually the number one thing about being a small business owner and entrepreneur is you're just always solving problems, always pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And again, dealing with issues that you never thought you would deal with. And I find that very energizing. I think other people might find that stressful. Um, I mean, it's both. But I that's actually what I really live for. So... So I think looking back, I see markers, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have pegged this. Coming up, you'll hear the importance of discipline and strategy in launching new products. Based on everything you're sharing with me, I would consider you a pubic hair expert. Uh, in launching this business, what was the market research like and what does that process continue to be as the company evolves who are you talking to and how are you learning about this right uh well again i think at at launch that's and so my background again management consulting did a lot of market research did a lot of surveys but the truth is when you're starting a business you you do have to just take a leap of faith and jump in that being said i think you can do that in a um, calculated way, which I think we tried to do, and that has to do with a small MOQ, small minimum order quantity. You, I only made a thousand fur oils for our first run. We stored it in my apartment, and, and look, I remember looking the night before and being like, "Wow, if this is a flop, people are going to be getting fur oil for years <laughs> in my family." Because, but I just, I so I only made a thousand, and you know, it could have, it could have totally flopped, and that would have been the test. But I think. You can't really do that much market research in the very beginning. You don't have data. You don't have customers. So I talked to my friends and family. I felt it in my bones, and I just tried to make – the whole company, though, was a test, was a market research test. So that, that – I mean, that's where I was with it. And what did you learn once you put the product out there? Again, that it was very – how did you figure out what the po- next product to launch what right. should be? Well, I've always had a lot of – products in mind. I mean, we have a very deep pipeline. And again, it, it product pipe products are the are the sexy fun part of having a beauty business. Everyone wants to launch products. Everyone wants to think about new products. Uh, you have to be very disciplined about that because every time you launch a product, it ties up working capital. You need to put marketing dollars against it. And so that's why I mean we're we're eight well we're almost eight SKUs today. Uh, we have one launching very shortly. Um, and uh, and we tried to launch slowly and been very disciplined about it again to line up the financial aspects of our working capital and our marketing dollars. But you you can't launch that many that quickly. And so it's b- more been about strategically what do we launch now and what is our financial situation looking like to do that. And what goes into that decision making? Because you're not launching, you know, 10, 20 products a year, like we hear, you know, most big beauty brands. So how do you decide? And how many products do you launch in a year now? Uh, We only try to launch one or two hero products a year. That is, that is where we are right now. And I don't ever see us being a hundred skew brand. I mean, I, you know, I definitely we have a deep pipeline. But you know, again, this measured way of really and, – and so all of our launches matter. Everything is very thoughtful. All of our products are – are I consider to be hero products and, and I use them all um, personally. So, 
Where can people buy your products? Is it only online right now or are you in any retailers? Uh, no, we actually have a pretty strong uh, retail channel. So definitely through our website, furyou.com, F-U-R-Y-O-U.com is a great place to buy our products. Uh, but we are also available at Ulta Beauty. So in Love many Ulta. of their stores. Yes. Uh, and that's our, you know, that, that was a great relationship we launched last year. Um, we love working with them. Uh, we are also at Nordstrom, Macy's, Neiman Marcus, Violet Gray, Credo Beauty, uh, the Detox Market, Revolve, um, and and others. So we do we do have pretty deep distribution. And what products or can you share a little bit about what's coming in 2020? Uh, well, definitely one product shortly, but no, I can't I can't reveal what it is quite yet. <laughs> well, I'm excited to find <laughs> out. So definitely let me know once you can reveal it. Uh, but I'd love to talk more about the products. And we're, you can't see this, but we're looking at them here. And the packaging is just so beautiful. Um, this one in particular really stands out. It's the bath drop. So how did, when did this product launch? We and actually just launched that for holiday. It? It's very, very pretty. So how does it work? I'm taking a bath, I just drop it in and drop then... two in. It's well, so I don't know if you used bath beads in the nineties. Do you remember like the body Salts, shop? Not all, beads, no, never but beads. I do remember the body shop. I love the body shop growing up. <laughs> so all so in the nineties, bath beads were very popular and and so when we were we were actually just in a meeting, I think, you know, me and Lily and a couple of our team members were like, Whatever happened to those bath beads? They were like jewel like, they were so cool. And then when we did some research, we found out that what happened was the casing was actually animal gelatin and in it were a lot of dyes, fragrances you know, not high quality oils and sort of like, oh, that's 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 why those were phased out. So I actually spent over a year, because it's actually been two years in the making of this product, finding a, you know, vegan bath bead maker. And so we actually make these in Italy and they're seaweed capsules. Oh, that's so interesting. So we again we cleaned up, reimagined this sort of nineties classic. And how did you find that vendor? Same way I always find vendors, just start researching and calling. Do you have to go over there? No, not yet, although I I, I threatened to a few times (laughs) making the product. Uh, And then let's talk about this. This next one, this is the Ingrown Concentrate. When did this product launch? So that was also, so 2016, we launched Fur Oil, Stubble Cream, and and Ingrown Concentrate later that year. And again, that was just the idea of, you know, definitely ingrown hairs are a big reason people turn to us. And so we wanted to make a formulation that was a little thicker, a little more concentrated that would focus just on ingrowns. People also love that product for eyebrows. Oh, what does it do for eyebrows? Just to make sure that they're not... You don't get ingrown hairs. Don't get ingrown hairs, smoothing, conditioning, and also just post, post-treatment. post So we actually also work with a lot of estheticians. And when we do market research now, we do surveys with them to know what they want. What do they see from clients? What are the pain points that they're dealing with? So when I'm at the nail salon getting my eyebrows waxed, this should be the oil that they put on right after. Yes. Ah. Yes. Well, then, yeah, the every everyone needs to know about this product. Um, and then uh, going into, I know you have a, a new product coming in 2020, but what else are you really excited about going into this year? I'm really excited about scaling the business. We have, again, we have very great, we have great distribution partners, sort of a roster that I couldn't have imagined a couple years ago. I have an amazing team of 12. Um, we, you know, so we definitely have our foot in the door and I feel like we just need to grow. So that's – but it's a different – again, it, it's a different stage of the business, I feel, than when we launched, which was really, yes, getting my foot in the door, mm-hmm. you know, trying to 
just get some sort of standing and now but now we have to now we have to grow fast so we have been growing very fast but continue that again from a bigger base with more people watching and you talked about it before but you started or a category uh, that really didn't exist before you started now that you've been in business for four or five years are there a lot of competitors how do you stay on top of everything you really are the leader in the space but what is it like from a competition standpoint? There definitely are some competitors, um, but so far they've taken, again, a different approach. And and again, that is that is part of the challenge is continuing to, you know, hone our message and hone our positioning and get our message out there and sort of our viewpoint, which I feel is still very differentiated in the market, that, you know, about eradicating the stigma around body hair. What Where do you want to see fur in five to 10 years? Everywhere. Uh, so we've made a start, but I, you know, we definitely can make inroads with other retailers and just deeper within the retailers we have today, you know, more products. I just, yeah, I think we're just at the very beginning. And looking back at your entrepreneur journey, is there a, pati- a particular time where you uh, just didn't think that the, there, there was a big mistake and you just didn't see how the business was going to recover from it? Well, thankfully, so far, nothing. Yeah, no mistakes that have killed us. But I think we're very cognizant of, you know, you have, you know, it, it, now we're at the point where one one bit of bad luck we can recover from. But yes, do I worry about three bits of bad luck at the same time? Sure. You know, that that's a key concern. Um, but I mean, I think there's been, yeah, there have been many moments, um, you know, in in all aspects, but it's just staying hypervigilant all the time. And is there something that you would say or a particular moment that you're most proud of looking back at your journey? Um, well, I'm proud of our team every day. I would say a real magic moment was in 2017. Emma Watson wrote about us on on Into the Gloss. Um, we were a part of her routine. We knew she was a customer. We knew she bought the products, but she spoke about us. And that was a real – we actually sold out of a year's worth of product in three weeks after she talked about us. Um, and so that was just a real – again, it was, it was completely organic. So we just came in one day in March and – yeah, you know, I was pregnant. <laughs> like I sat down at my seat and and we're like, why is our e-com site going crazy? Like what could have possibly happened? And it was this article. Um and so that was I think was a real game changer for us. Really put us on the map. That's amazing. That's what Stephanie and I like to call good business problems. How long did it take you to replenish the product? We were, you know, we we worked immediately. That's it's also our our vendors are our partners. They were so excited for us and and we weren't out of stock for very long. Uh, but we, yeah, that was definitely a situation we had to manage extremely carefully. And you've clearly seen some success with uh, celebrities or influencers talking about your product. Do you partner with any other celebrities or influencers? And I know that one came about organically, but are you doing any partnerships with with celebrities or influencers? We don't do any paid partnerships at this time or nothing nothing of substantial size. Have you ever so. tried in the past? No, not yet. Uh, and then uh, from a, just a social media standpoint, can you talk to us about what your social media strategy has been uh, from the start? It's evolved a lot. Uh, I think – I mean, again, we now have a team that works on this all the time. Um, but I think, again, modeling modeling inclusivity, modeling our products, so just getting getting a sense of the brand world. But we're sort of always always changing our approach and sort of always honing on what we need to do on social media. 
is there a, is there one person on your team that's responsible for managing your Instagram and Facebook accounts? Well, there's definitely – it's not one person, but there are definitely people who have clear accountability in all those roles. And is there a particular channel that's most important for your business? Is it Instagram? Right now, I'd say it's Instagram. Uh, but again, we never want to rely on one channel. And, and that's actually interesting, too, because I think when we launched, people were – well, A, when we launched, we thought we would be D to C. And actually, when we launched, our Facebook ads fell pretty flat. I think the market wasn't there yet. People didn't really understand what we were about. And so our first success was with retailers. And so getting – it was these estheticians, these salons, and that's how we kept the lights on in the early days. And then it wasn't, it wasn't until 2018 when we revisited our paid media strategy, and that, that was actually when we started really advertising. And how is that working for you now? Are you still – uh, focused on paid media? Does it work for you? Or It does work for us. But I mean, again, it's it's sort of there's so little insight into like Facebook and Instagram are such a black box that it, yes. it does keep me up at night. Sort of how is that working? Why is it working? When will it stop working? Will it stop working? So, you know, that's always uh, always on my mind. And um, how has your role evolved over the years? When you, you know, when you first started, I'm sure you were wearing a lot of different hats, doing all of the roles. And now, uh, what are your key areas of focus? Right. Well, well, again, we're bootstrapped. So, I mean, I literally started as the fulfillment department. Lillian and I would sit in her apartment and pack boxes on the floor. And she was pregnant. So we're both moms. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she has two daughters, three and seven months. And so when she was pregnant with her first child, we were still packing boxes on the floor. And she started crying. And she said, I can't pack boxes on the floor anymore. And that's when I said, okay, we're going to move to a fulfillment center. And so we we always try to do things as long as we can with the team we have. Mm-hmm. And then then give that hat and to someone And then someone else. has to cry. And then someone <laughs> yeah, we, we usually try not to make pregnant ladies cry. <laughs> that, that was a low point. But we, you know, yes. So we are always, we're always we're as lean as we can be. Yes, we do. Totally we've done everything, uh, and then we, you know, pass the baton to someone else. Uh, so, is your key focus opening up more retail doors? Is it coming up with products? How do you divide uh, your time? What you is a typical day like? It's still, uh, it's still torn in a lot of different directions, and so that's where I think it's. In, it, it, what what I've been focusing on is how do I find these big pieces that need a lot of time, uninterrupted time, because I don't, I can't do those anymore. So that actually tends to be more in uh, Excel modeling and sort of financial modeling because I was doing a lot of that in the early days, and so I think that's a hat that I need to probably hand off pretty soon. Uh, product development, I will always be involved with. HR is pro- – HR is – talent management is my biggest role. I mean, that's the only thing that matters at the end of the right, day right, right now is that, you know, finding the right people and then when we find them, keeping them happy. Are you the one doing motivated. all of the recruiting? Yes. I am, our, I am our point person at all recruiting. And how are you finding people when a job is, is – uh, when you need to find someone for a new role? I've tried a variety of methods. I've even I was even once at a a wake and someone said they did sales and I said, "Well, do you happen to know You're, anyone? You have no <laughs> do you have any friends." <laughs> yes. So, um, so you know, you you find them wherever you can. Uh, you know, then of course websites and you know, I've tried head, I've tried everything. Up next, working with a best friend as a business partner and the art of disagreeing productively. Plus, a surprise. 
You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. So something my business partner, Stephanie, and I like to do is we like to surprise and delight our guests. And this is also something we recommend to our clients at Socialfly, that they should constantly be thinking about how to surprise their customers on social media. So we have a gift for you. It's next to your chair. Oh, wow. behind you. Yes. Oh, wow. It's in your entrepreneurista swag bag, yeah. and we did a little bit of social media stalking, oh. which happens to be our specialty. Yes, and <laughs> I, I imagine. And we got you a little gift. Well, a few things, but okay, okay. Well, let's see. In the uh, pink little tissue paper, Ooh, that one oh, wow. relates back to what you post on Instagram. Oh, great! Oh, wow! Always useful. Oh, yes. So we know you like Pilates. Yes, I do very much so. Uh, how often are you doing Pilates at this is and I want to learn more about your typical day, typical week, um, and how you unwind uh, at the end of the day. Uh, well, I guess they're all related. So yes, I do. So again, Lily and I were captains of the high school gymnastics team. So I've always been pretty into mind body connection and sort of Pilates. Pilates, I guess, is my current sport outlet. I also sailed competitively in college. So um, I've always been an athlete, I guess, um, which I think definitely informs my the way I think about business, too. Um, and yeah, so I've been doing Pilates. I started doing it seriously after my daughter was born. Um, and I do it twice a week at five o'clock. And, and it's pretty much like that. I, I pretty much always do it. That's, you know, it's hard to do a lot of self-care when you're a mom. That's definitely my self-care is I do my Pilates twice a week at five o'clock. Is there a particular place that you go to? Uh, yeah, well, I have a I have an instructor, and so I, I meet her at different places. But. Ah, cool, cool. Well, I definitely need to know what her name is because I'm looking for a Pilates instructor. Well, thanks so much for this amazing surprise. We'd also like to surprise listeners today uh, and offer 20% off our website. So you can put in Entrepreneurista at checkout uh, for 20% off your next fur purchase. And that code will be valid through Labor Day 2020. And I had asked you this before, but I actually have a few more questions. So what is it like working with your best friend? And what do you do when you disagree or don't see eye to eye? Although it sounds like from what you uh, shared with me that you're typically always on the same page. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say that at all. But okay. because <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, I think very much like a marriage. Yes. Um, disagreeing productively and is is the most important part of having a business partner. I don't know if you find that yes, as well. Yes. Um, and again, in a way that's not personal and that is really, you know, knowing that the other person cares just as much about this business and is trying to get to the right result for the business is, you know, that trust is really important. Um, and so I, I actually think, well, first of all, Lily and I were meant to be business partners because, I mean, while I, I always say that we are best friends, we we actually, I think we were always meant to be business partners the way we are. We don't have a lot of other friends in common. 
we yeah. just have been together forever and trust each other very deeply and have done a lot of things together and again disagree very productively and i think that's why even when things are hard even when we are not on the same page we can sit down and have a very rational discussion about what we need to do um and and again and i think I, which i think is very difficult to do what tips do you have for anyone who has a business partner where they just, you know, aren't seeing eye to eye on a particular um, issue? How do you disagree productively? What does that even mean? Well, well, again, I, I think it's a I think very if I'm going to bring up an issue that we're not. A, well, one thing is making sure you're always aligned on what's going on, which I think people sort of always assume they're aligned. Mm -hmm. And then they and then it, it, the minute I see in a conversation that there's something that I believe that I'm not sure that she believes, I actually, within the next sort of 48 hours, try to take some time, the two of us and be like, I heard this. What I'm getting from that is like, we're not on the same page, because this is what I thought. This is where I thought we were. This is what I think I'm hearing from you. Like, is that even so? You know, or did I misunderstand? Uh, and then from there, at least you can sort of you know, understand where the disconnects are. But I think it's really important to know that you're both working from the same state of the world. And you've both had children while running this business. Yes. Correct? We've never had a year at fur where one of us wasn't pregnant or had an infant. <laughs> so what is that like? I feel really um I'm very appreciative to have a female business partner. I mean, of course everyone I mean it it is like a marriage. Um but I think it's been great to, you know, when she was pregnant and had an infant, you know, I shouldered more of the burden. And then likewise, when I, you know, had my daughter, she was more on point. And, and so I think that's been actually a really incredible thing because we both really value family lives and our family time to have someone else to who can shoulder the burden when you can't when you can't always be there. And uh, I know if Stephanie was here, she would ask you this because she just had her baby last year and she is juggling or adjusting to her career life and her mom life. But do you have any tips for working moms based on what you've learned? Uh, I, I, again, it's really about the support and about the people around you. Uh, I, I think I've been also a better support since, since becoming a mother myself. Um, but it's just, you know, your schedule blows up. Like you just have to get much more – you need to be much more go with the flow um, and and you need to have the right people around you. So sort of, you know, I, you know my, my nanny is great. Like we – you know, you have to have the right people in your village to really help you uh, achieve all the things that you want to achieve and, you know, and, and ruthlessly prioritize. So – which I actually think has made me a better manager because I know I leave – I'm leaving by 6 o'clock. Like I am and I'm not working on for the rest of the night. And so when I come in in the morning, I say, well, what are the three things that I just need to do – I personally need to do today? I delegate the rest of them. But there's no, you know, trap, which I think some people might fall into of, you know, it's just faster if I do it myself. I'll do it later because you literally won't. Mm -hmm. So so I actually think it's made me a better manager and delegator. Yeah, I definitely fall into fall into that trap. Maybe have to have a a kid to, to learn that one. <laughs> uh, and then, what would you say is outside of Pilates, or maybe it is just Pilates? But what is your favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Uh, I say Pilates. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to drink less wine, you know, but I do enjoy a glass of wine at night. Um, and again, I think just you know spending time with my with my husband and my daughter and away from my phone. I've really been trying to do that, but that's that's really hard, especially when you run a business that you know has a lot of social media presence and in an industry that's very social media focused. 
And what would you say inspires you daily? Again, the people around me and the and also just the opportunities that that I've been that I've been given and that I've worked for. Um, I can't believe that I do this every day. Um, and so even when so when it gets hard too, I, I remind myself that honestly, every everything I get to work on is if feels like a privilege. And so, you know, just always keeping that in mind, even when it seems like a lot of things. And have you had any mentors who have helped you along the way? I guess not formal mentors, but definitely a lot of people have helped me and helped me with their time and uh, and their support along the way. Ed, do you have a favorite mantra or quote that defines your work ethic that and values? Every no is a not yet. Every no is a not yet. Yes. If you haven't spoken sure. to someone six to eight times, it's like you never spoke to them at all. <laughs> That's definitely a good one. I'm going to take that one back to my team. Um, <laughs> Politely. Polite. And then is there anything you wish you had known sooner? Oof. Uh, well, I guess I, I'm not a very patient person by nature. So I think just, you know, trusting the process more and, you know, not getting frustrated when things don't move as fast as I think they should or maybe as fast as it appears things are moving for other people. I think it's it's really easy in this in this business or just in business in general to sort of look at look at anything, look at social media and just say, oh man, you know, they're killing it. And you know, I'm I'm like, you know, in the trenches here. But it you're really, you know, you never you never know anyone's reality and and you know, you gotta stay in your lane and just execute the way the best way you can every day. If you could give the entrepreneurista audience one essential body positivity tip, what would it be? Well, again, I think it's love yourself and listen to yourself. And what do you, what do you want to do? Um, I think there's a lot, especially with body hair, there's a lot of these sort of expectations with a capital E. And I've definitely felt them myself where, you know, you have to be a certain way. And and I don't often I don't even know where that comes from. So I, I would think about why? Who even told me that? And I can't even place it. So I think, again, like listening to yourself, loving yourself and, and asking, you know, what, what do you want to do is really important. And lastly, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Someone who's living in the flow and uh, taking the opportunities they can every day. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everyone find and follow you? So, of course, fur, uh, our handle is fur underscore you. That's why F-U-R underscore Y-O-U on Instagram. Uh, you can find me underscore Laura Schubert. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. Uh, and yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing everyone online. Well, thank you again. Uh, I'm Courtney, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Thanks for listening. 